You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are many different paths you can take. But there's only one road to Atlanta. A high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Dansby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work on the site formerly known as Talking Chop, but is now known as Battery Power. Uh, Before I will go any further, I just want to make it clear to everybody, you do not have to change anything about your podcast feeds, your subscriptions, or anything like that. Uh, As some of you are probably already aware, we did just make that change on the site, but we've made all those changes on the back end. So if you were subscribed to the Talking Chop podcast feed, you are still subscribed. You will not miss a single episode of this podcast or their flagship program, which is now going to be the Battery Power flagship program hosted by brad and then the daily hammer hosted by sean nothing else changes the content remains the same we're just gonna be the same sort of stuff just under a different name and we're gonna hope to continue to give you some great content and with that in mind this is normally the part where i introduce our normal co-host uh garrett spain who's been around with me for quite some time but instead uh i have a special co-host today 2021 draft pick for the Atlanta Braves, Spencer Schwellenbach, is joining me to talk with me about some baseball, what's been going on with him, because he's had a pretty eventful last 12 months or so. Spencer, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I I was talking to Spencer a little bit beforehand. I felt pretty awful that I had put some sort of curse on him uh, because I did an interview with him right before he went down with injury. Uh, Hopefully, we're going to try to you know, flip the script a little bit and he's going to be back on the mound in what, April, May or something like that. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can uh, change that around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so we're going to kind of be doing a little bit of a redo of an interview not that Spencer and I did have, but we're also going to be going over some things that happened more recently. Uh, and so Spencer, just for those who kind of to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, um, when did you start playing baseball and like, did you play on any other sports growing up? Yeah, so I started playing t-ball at the age of four, and then, you know, my older brothers and then my older sister all played baseball growing up, so I was always at the ball field watching them. My dad was always the coach, so got to sit in on the dugout with them and, you know, just learn baseball, and that's kind of how I fell in love with it. So it's always an interesting thing with me when I talk to the guys, especially guys who are, like, drafted particularly highly 
is like there's always a point when they realize that they're not like just enjoying baseball. Like you're one of the best players on the team. And then you start realizing maybe I'm not just the best player on the team. I'm one of the best players that I know of in my area. But when was it for you when you realized that it wasn't just like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm like the team captain type. I'm actually like a guy who could realistically play professional baseball. I'd say when I was 11 years old, I pitched against um, the Motor City Hit Dogs, who later became my travel baseball team at a tournament. It was a super NIT, like a, if you win the tournament, you go to Disney uh, and you, you play for the Elite 32 World Series. And my team was 0-2 and we were eliminated already, but it was still pool play. And my dad was like, you know what, this is a top five team in the country. We want you to pitch against them. So I pitched five innings and did really well. And then after the game, the coach came up to my dad and was like, hey, we we really liked the, the guy on the mound. Like, who is that? And we really want him on our team next year. And he's like, oh, that's my son. And tried out for the team the following year, which was based out of Detroit. I was playing on a team locally in my hometown, Saginaw, Michigan. And I played with them from when I was 12 years old until I was 18. And honestly, when I was 12 years old on that team, I felt like, man, I'm playing on one of the best teams in the country and I am one of our top players and give us a chance to win in the, in the field and on the mound. And, you know, that's where I kind of gained that pitcher shortstop mentality. And that's what took me into high school and college. And now I'm a pitcher, but I feel like going through that organization and, you know, starting to play for them, I really understood that, you know, baseball is fun, but like, it's, I want it to be my job. So, and that's so kind of where we are now. So let's talk about this for a second. Your dad had to give you up from his team to let you go on the travel ball team. What, what, yeah. I mean, like there had to be some negotiations in that, right? I mean. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I wasn't all like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to play for this team because I had all my friends, you know, on my team that were, sure. went to my, my school and, you know, they're my friends. So and we had a conversation, my mom, my, my whole family, honestly, and we're like, we want to put you in the best, you know, opportunity situation for you to succeed and, you know, fulfill your dreams of being a college baseball player and a professional baseball player. And, you know, it was very hard for me as a 12 year old kid to go on a team with guys who had been playing together for four years already. And being the new guy, it was like really tough at first, but you know, everyone was, was really awesome. The coaching staff was awesome and they welcomed me in and yeah, honestly, I, I never really thought about that. Like my dad having to give me up from the team and all, but he says a lot lot about him too, you know, like, he's like, Hey, you know, if like, this is, this is the team that I'm coaching, you should be on that other team. I mean, you know, he was, you know, he was definitely looking out for you and obviously it seems to have worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's talk. We, we, we move forward a little bit, and that is the choice about college. Because mm-hmm. you decided to go to the Nebraska uh, as opposed to staying in programs that would, might have been a little bit closer to you, like with Michigan State, Michigan, or even one, maybe one of the smaller programs there, or even going to a different national program altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you decide that Nebraska was the right fit for you as opposed to maybe some of those other options? Yeah, so first off, I want to say that 
my parents are from Wisconsin and I grew up a big Wisconsin Badger fan and they don't have oh. a baseball team. Oh, I see. I so see. I grew up kind of not really a fan of Michigan or Michigan state. So when I would go on my visits there, I wasn't like totally in love with it and was like completely open. Like some people have their dream school. I didn't really have one. And I started talking to Nebraska at the beginning of my sophomore year of high school and Darren Erstead was the coach and I came on a visit there and I wasn't, I wasn't even gonna, I wasn't even gonna respond to my, I wasn't even gonna call them because Nebraska, like that's so far away. I don't know if I want to go that far away from home. And one of my brother's best friends played at Michigan state and said when they played at Nebraska, the facilities, the fan base was incredible. And I had to go on a visit. And so I did. And when I went, I was totally in awe about everything like the baseball field, the facilities, the the coaching staff, like we had a whole, we had lunch and we didn't even talk about baseball. Not one time. And every other, every other program that I visited, it was strictly baseball. You know, there was some things like, oh, how's your family? Like, tell me about yourself. But Darren Erstead was, was the man. And that is one of the biggest reasons I went there was because of him. Uh, great professional baseball player and, you know, played at Nebraska and loves that university more than anybody. And I put my trust in him and the other coaches and decided to commit there as a shortstop and pitcher. There was a lot of other schools looking at me as strictly a pitcher, but at that time I was, I was thinking like, I, I really like shortstop and I really like pitching. I don't really want to make up my mind right now. And I also want to play like I, I don't want to go to a top program and, and be, you know, not playing until my junior year like that's you'd be playing against really good competition and practice and everything but I wanted to play in games and and get the experience that way so so that's kind of why I chose Nebraska and I'm that's the best decision I've ever made honestly absolutely uh I'm, I'm going to be enjoying this later on because uh, you won't you probably have no idea but uh, the host of our flagship program, uh, Brad Rowland, is a diehard Michigan fan. So I'm going to be mm-hmm. making sure that I'm like, hey, just so you know, we got we got someone who's a big a Wisconsin Badger who's not going to have any of this, uh, <laughs> any of this go blue stuff. Uh, I, I dig it. He, he's as soon as Jesse Franklin was drafted by the Braves, he's like, well, that's my guy. Don't yep. know. <laughs> it was too, it's too good. Uh, so you you end up going to Nebraska, perform really well there. Uh, playing in the field primarily. And then this past season, you start coming out of the bullpen. Uh, And again, you and I have talked a little bit about this, you know, kind of elsewhere, but I wanted to kind of get this kind of out there because this is a a transition that I think that a lot of our listeners have a hard time wrapping their heads around as to kind of how that came about and why it ultimately resulted in your, what you're going to end up being playing in as a professional, at least to start. How did that change to like going, coming out of the bullpen and was that like, like kind of a coach's decision where like maybe when we need to try this out or is that something that you were facilitating or how did that happen? Yeah. So well, in high school, I was a, I played shortstop. We, we'd play double headers. I'd play shortstop the first game and then I would pitch the second game. I would start and, and pitch. 
and I, I really like starting. Uh, I really like having the, to be in control of the game, you know, from the first inning, from the first pitch. So, and then when I went to Nebraska, I threw a couple flat grounds and, you know, my arm just didn't, didn't feel right at the time. And the coaching staff just said, you know what, it's totally fine. We want you to play, you know, the infield and we don't want you to, we don't want to lose you for a whole season because we're forcing something on the mound. We want you to be able to play every day for us. And so I didn't throw another bullpen the rest of the year. Didn't even think about pitching. And then my, so at the end of that season, I actually had a surgery on my, my arm. It was a UCL repair. So kind of just put a brace around my partially torn ligament that I had. And then my sophomore year, like leading up into it, I threw a couple bullpens again because the intention was I'm going to pitch once my arm kind of gets better. And we had a new coaching staff that year. It was a coaching change and they didn't really, I mean, they saw me at shortstop and that's what they knew me, knew me as like through videos and stuff. Right. And they were more interested in that. And so I kind of was just like, okay, like I don't have to go through, you know, the, the mound routine, the long toss routine. I just can do a position player, you know, rehab throwing, which only took me about four months to get back on the field instead of like six or seven. And so didn't really throw or throw any bullpens that year. And then that was the, the COVID year that happened. So our season got cut short. And in right. the summer, or, well, that rest of the spring, I was at home and I had a hockey net in my backyard and I tied some strings to the hockey net as like a strike zone. And I started throwing, started throwing into it, started mixing up some pitches. And I, I was like, wow, like I feel, I feel really good. Um, and everything like feels like I didn't skip a beat from high school. Like it, fastball was there, slider was there, changeup was there. And every week would go out and throw and then went to play summer ball. And we pl I played about 20 games that summer, didn't pitch at all, just played shortstop. And throughout the whole summer, I was in conversation with uh, Coach Bolt at Nebraska. And he said, like, we want to try, a, you know, as a pitcher, whether that be, you know, a reliever or a closer or maybe a starter. And I said, yeah, I'd really like that. I'd really like to try that out. So I got to school through two bullpens and everything felt really good. And then threw in a scrimmage against our own team and I did really well. And that was just the, you know, the thing every, we, we would scrimmage Friday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And every Friday I would throw the last inning. So I wouldn't have to go play the field the next day or the next inning. So it was kind of like closer role and I did really well. And, at the end of the fall, they told me you're going to be our closer and like, we don't want to start you because we really, we really like you in the field and we don't want anything to, you know, take away from, from the team that way. So that, that kind of led into the season and I was the closer. Um, and then there was some instances where I threw three, four, five innings and there was questions asked to me if I wanted to start. And I just said, let's not change anything up. Our, our guys are doing really well. I can come out of the bullpen at, at any time, fifth inning, sixth inning, seventh inning. 
and I could do it two times on a weekend. And that's what I did. And that was the best thing for our team. And that's how we were so successful. We'd get to the later part of the innings and we had a really good bullpen. So, yeah. That's, it's, it's such a wild, like your, your story kind of like of how you're making it to the pros is like, is really fascinating. And you, when you talk, listen to Dana Brown talk about you too, he's like, he finally got his shortstop that he's going to convert to a pitcher and you know, it's all this, all this other stuff. And that kind of brings me to like the Braves interest because I mean, you mean clearly you were like following along with the, all the speculation out there, what's going to happen in the first round, what's going to happen in the second round. And you were mentioned with the Braves a lot in that, yeah. those kind of those pre those pre-draft conversations. Uh, when did you realize that the Braves were really kind of keying in on you, uh, particularly as a pitcher and were you initially kind of hesitant to kind of be put in that pitcher role considering how much you had played in the field? Um, early in the season, I was doing really well at the plate and in the field and the Braves really liked me as a shortstop. And like halfway into the season when I started, you know, my velo was getting up there. My innings were kind of increasing a little bit. Uh, Dana called me, uh, JD, my area scout called me, you know, every week and told me like, Hey, we want you on the mound. Like we think you can start, you have the stuff to start. And that's what we see you as. And honestly, it took a lot out of me to, to not play the infield anymore but I think it was the right decision uh, for me uh, just because if I put my full effort and, you know, my I put everything into pitching, like who knows how, how good I can be, who knows how, you know, how far I can go. So that's kind of what made me realize like, Hey, you might have to throw away the, you know, the, the infield glove and, you know, just be a pitcher. So. Well, and hey, you know, again, again, at the end of the day, whatever gets you drafted into the pros, right? You know what I mean? Like, yep. Uh, the, the, the response that I most often get is, you know, like, look, if they want me to play catcher and I've never played it before, you know, sign me up, I'm in, you know. Absolutely, you know, just, yep. just, 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 just put those put those pads on me as long as I get to wear the logo. Um, so uh, before we take a quick break, I do want to ask you, like, that the day, like, the draft's about to happen. Where did you think you were going to end up being picked? Did you have kind of an inclination or was there a lot of uncertainty? Like there was there a few teams that were kind of in play in weird places or. Yeah. My agent told me I would be getting picked anywhere from pick 16 to pick 59. <laughs> That's a range. <laughs> he said, there's, there's multiple teams that like you in the first round. And if they don't pick you, the first 15 or so teams in the second round aren't looking for a pitcher or aren't looking for a college arm or, or don't like you in the second round or whatever. But Braves picked at 59 and he said, you're not getting past them in the second round. So I didn't really, he said, he said, don't, don't expect to get picked in the first round because I don't want you to have any, you know, like, Oh man, like, shoot so watching the draft on sunday i had my my family and friends you know over and it was just kind of like a like a little celebration like i knew i wasn't you know going to go in the first round like there was not there was a a chance but it wasn't like a party to celebrate me getting picked in the first round you know so 
it was like a celebration and I had a smile on my face the whole time. It was so much fun. And I'm glad that you know, my family and friends can be there with me. And then what was it the Monday I got a call from my agent and said, you should, you're going to be going to, you're going to be a brave. And I had a huge smile on my face and got a call from the Braves and heard my name on the, on the TV. And that was, it was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to know, like, it's, I, I mean, it's hard for me to kind of put myself in that position, but it's nice to know that you have a floor, right? You're like, I'm not like, this isn't like, you know, like one of those like draft room nightmares where like, you know, like how far is he going to fall? It's just like, there are worse things than being a second rounder and going to one of the better young teams in baseball. Right. You know, (laughs) exactly. All right. But, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of some uh, less than ideal uh, uh, starts to his pro pro debut and kind of what his plans are for the future. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam. The soggy morning jog. The why is the dog taking so long? Just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high-quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. Try pure peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein. Or simply nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter. Or daily zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. All right, Spencer. This is where things kind of change a little bit from the last time you and I chatted. Um, so you get drafted and you go down to Florida. It's time for workouts. Hey, let's see where everything's looking. Let's look at what the changeup looks like. Let's see how the fastball is looking. Let's see how we're feeling. And clearly something wasn't right. Um, and you know, you had talked about that. You had that non Tommy John UCL repair that like kind of that reinforcement, uh, surgery earlier on in your career. Let's talk about what happens down there at workouts. Like was it just a sudden thing or was it just kind of like a, you know, over the course of a few workouts, just things didn't feel right. Or, and like, was like, is like, did something actually like completely like 
blow out or is it something that you just felt like you had to do to kind of stay ahead of it? What happened? Um, so throughout the season, I was going through some soreness, which was normal, I thought. And then just because my arm for the last, you know, you know, my sophomore, freshman year, senior year in high school, I was always kind of like, yeah, my arm doesn't feel great. And I got the surgery my freshman year and it was just never like, oh my gosh, like I don't feel any pain. Like I feel like I can just go throw the ball as hard as I can and be fine. I always had just a little something. And when it's nonstop for three years, I just thought it was just normal. It's going to be like that forever. Like my, it wasn't like my velo was, was dipping or like after I pitched, I couldn't move my arm, but it was like, just uncomfortable. And I threw at the MLB combine in June and I felt, I felt really good. And that week after it was kind of weird. Like my arm just didn't recover how it, how, how it usually had, you know? So, and, and the teams knew that like they, I had a PRP injection in December of last year and put that on my medical for all the teams. I didn't want to hide anything. So they, they all knew that there was some sort of issue. And I got, I went to Atlanta after the draft to get my MRI and physical and everything. And I didn't hear anything like about my MRI. Like I just thought, Oh, it must be, must be okay. And so I started playing catch when I got to Florida played catch two or three days and then got on the mound through like an 85% bullpen. Uh, it was my first bullpen in probably seven or eight months besides the MLB combine, just because I didn't throw bullpens during the year. Uh, just because I had a lot of work in the infield to get done, a lot of hitting um, and just recovery as well. So, and then three days after that first bullpen, I was told I needed to ramp it up a little bit. They wanted to send me out to, you know, Augusta, and I threw about 10 pitches, and I turned back and was like, how hard is that? Because I, that's as hard as I can throw the ball right now, and my arm is killing me. And he's like, that was like 83 miles an hour. And I was like, yeah, I got to I gotta be done. And went into the training room, and I was like, I don't know what just happened, but I just can't, I can't throw anymore and and then went to get my surgery and they pulled up my MRIs and they said my ligament was hanging on by like one or two fibers at the top like it was going to go at any second but it was too painful for me to throw so got that done and the surgery I got was Tommy John with an internal brace which I am not throwing yet it takes eight months after the surgery to start throwing because I had that previous surgery uh, my freshman year. So they wanted to be super cautious with that and make sure that when I come back, everything is nice and intact and ready to go. Yeah, I, whenever I had talked a little bit to some guys about the, the, the specific repair you just had, that they're like, oh yeah, but he might be you know, throwing him back on the mound in the something this coming summer. I'm like, are, are are we sure? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Hey, I'm all I'm, science, medicine, and technology is amazing. And I'm, you know, 
And it just seems like, you know, you're a young guy. I mean, I, 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 I have told the story to a few people. Uh, I like literally the other day I rolled my ankle and I was like literally just fishing. And like, I don't, I, I, and I can't, I can't imagine like doing anything for like the next three weeks. And, you know, when they're talking about like the types of repairs that you're going, just had to go under and you're just going to be popping back out there. And I was, I was like, I must be, I must be getting old. Uh, so let's, so that, that was the, the, the less fun part of the conversation. I want to talk about like, you're recovering now. How are you feeling oh. now? Like what, 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 what is that process like coming? Like you have the repair haven't started throwing yet what were the things that they kind of you have to do to kind of get ready to start you know cracking up to being a pitcher again yeah so i've been i'm about six and a half months post-surgery and i feel as good as i ever have right now so uh and i'm doing everything in the weight room can do full weight with my arms my rehab is a bunch of you know rep you know, repeating the, the movements of the shoulder, the forearm, getting stronger, you know, in the back of my shoulder, front of my shoulder, just so everything is going to be intact when I get ready to throw. I just started doing two-hand plyos, which is imitating throwing and uh, some overhead stuff and, you know, just getting myself and my arm ready to be able to throw a ball again. And I feel like everything has gone really smoothly. There's been no setbacks. There's been, you know, I've, I've honestly, I am super thankful and helped and, and blessed that, you know, I'm feeling as good as I am. And, you know, I know there's people that they get surgery and they still kind of feel a little off and I'm, you know, I'm super thankful that I'm, I'm feeling good. And you must be drinking plenty of milk to kind of be able to recover like that. (laughs) Uh, so like right, right when you kind of get your arm out of that sling, are the stretches the worst? I've heard the stretches are just the absolute worst. Cause you've been kind of like, kind of you know, like once of those first few times of trying to stretch your arm out all the way are just brutal. Yeah. So what we would do every single day, uh, after about two weeks of having surgery, we would take my brace off and I would get my arm stretched and man that you, you feel like your arm just can't go any farther it's like, yep yep it's, i've heard it's that like not even close to being extended so i got a huge thank you to my you know trainers here and physical therapists like they're they're amazing and without them i i wouldn't i don't know where i would be honestly they're they're so great yeah, I think I was talking to Patrick Weigel, and he said, like, the first time they started trying, like, they're, like, literally having the wrench on his arm, and he's, like, fighting him. He's, like, no, my arm will not go any further. Yeah. Oh, stop stop cranking on me, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know if you know Patrick. That's a big dude, so if he doesn't want you to do something, you know, you might want to be careful about what, what you're trying to force him to do. He's a, he's a big, yeah. strong dude. Um, so we're just going to assume, right? And I, we have no reason to believe otherwise, is that Tommy John's going to – your rehab's going great. We have no setbacks. You are going to be the guy with less pain, yeah. fully healthy, ready to go. For Absolutely. you, assuming we assume all that, for you, what do you think is the biggest challenge for you converting from the player you were in college, which was full-time in the field, coming out of the bullpen, to becoming a full-time starting pitcher in professional baseball. What, what do you see as like the biggest, like the biggest hurdle that you have to overcome to get there? Um, I mean, honestly, I, I 
was a starting pitcher in high school, and I, I know that it was high school, but I am capable of going deep into games. The, the biggest thing that I need to focus on when I start throwing is having the starter mindset like in the, and playing catch like a starter. Having a routine, you know, kind of which days am I going to play long toss? Which days am I going to go short? Am I going to have an off day? Am I going to, you know, because you're pitching every six, five to six days and in, in pro ball. So you got to play catch that way too. And you got to get in routine. That's going to get your body and your arm exactly the way it needs to be for you to go and perform. And in high school, you know, you're young, you, you feel good all the time. Yep. And yep. so like, I wouldn't play long toss. I wouldn't do all those things to, you know, I wouldn't do arm maintenance stuff. Like that's going to be the biggest thing for me learning how to do that. And the rehab pitching coach here, has already talked to me about, you know, some of that stuff. And we're going to be sitting down here in a month or so to, before I throw to kind of get a program set and a routine set for me when I start throwing off a mound again. And, you know, just like I said, get a routine set in place. Yeah. I've had fun. We we talk, we have kind of like a, just like our, you know, like our, our minor league team, like talking amongst our talking prospects, you know, who to rank who and where and how high and all this stuff. And one that's fascinating topic is like, you know, well, he was out of the bullpen. How many innings can he go? And one thing that keeps coming up in our chat is I'm like, he played shortstop every day. Why are we worried about his conditioning? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's like, it's not a question of like how many innings he can throw. It's, that's one thing that you have going for you is that, that you're making throws from short constantly playing day after day. That physical conditioning really does matter as a starter because the one thing that we've seen from prospects in the past, especially guys who are like relievers in, in, in college and then make that transition later is that that takes a while, especially in the summer heat where like, you know, a humidity is like a thousand percent outside, you know, people don't understand what it's like just to be out there in it for five innings. And, you know, you, you, you've, you've been playing in the dirt, you've been, you're, you're running around. So you have that going for you for sure. You know, it's a little bit different throwing that much, but at the same time, it sounds like you have kind of a plan in place is to kind of get into the swing of thing, get into that routine, that starter's routine, that game yep. planning and all that other stuff. So when you're, when you're throwing in, in college, again, fastball generally live in mid nineties. We've seen you throw as high as 99. I don't think I've heard you throw any harder than that. If you, no. if, if triple digits have hit, you need to tell me. Uh, so but do you think that there's even more velo in the tank for you? Do you feel like that's where you want to live? Is there something with your fastball in particular that you're wanting to really refine beyond just being able to be consistent with it? Obviously, like where do you feel? How do you feel about where that pitch is now? So again, assuming everything goes back to right where it was and where it could be. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm stronger than I've ever been. I'm faster than I've ever been. I'm more explosive than I've ever been and got a new elbow. So yeah, there you go. Maybe maybe a new toy. Yeah. (laughs) So, and, but being a starter, you can't just come chucking, you know, like a reliever does. You got one inning, two innings. And those, those are the guys who can really pump it up there. But you know, what I'm trying to do is to, you know, just to sit in a comfortable range uh, velo wise and kind of sit there throughout the game. Like I'm not going to try to, you know, blow myself out, you know, in the first, second inning and not have that for the, for the rest of the inning. So just kind of got to, that's going to be another difficult thing for me to do is, 
you know, kind of maintain that, that velo and that mentality of not every pitch is going to be a hundred percent. Like you got to be able to switch up speeds and location. And, you know, before it's like, as a reliever, you just go throw strikes, you hit spots, you might only need two pitches, but as a starter, you need, you know, three plus pitches. And, you know, I'm going to be working on more pitches. I threw a slider and change up at Nebraska. Uh, but I don't know. I, I kind of have the idea in my head that I want to throw more pitches. So uh, when I start throwing, I guess we'll figure that out. Oh, see, I like to hear. I did, the, the, uh, Once people start putting four or five pitches, I'm, I start my brain starts my brain starts churning a little bit. Uh, I, I did want to ask when you before. Obviously, before the, the the workout where things weren't obviously right, but you said that sometimes your arm just felt really sore after games. Were you sore, more sore throwing breaking pitches, or was it actually when you were trying to top out on your velo? Or was it just kind sure. of just just like sore, just kind of generally not quite right, but for a lot of different things? Yeah, and honestly, I don't even know. Like, because when I was out there pitching, I, I mean, I wouldn't like – be like, oh my gosh, that hurts. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't feel anything. Right. I mean, maybe at shortstop, sometimes I, I feel something. Those are longer, harder throws than on the mound. Kind different of angles. Stressful. You're, you're not, maybe you're on your back foot in the hole and you throw a ball as hard as you can to first base to try to get the guy out. That, that never felt good on my arm. And I think that kind of combining those two along with a, you know, a, an injured arm. It was just not a good recipe. So, oh, sure, sure. I was more kind of just like thinking, like, with this new bionic elbow. I mean, like, is he gonna be pumping up like 102 easy? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, was, was he was he pushing? Uh, 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 are you? Uh, did you ever get a chance to meet Casey Callick when he was in the organization? I did not. No. So he was throwing mid to upper 90s, and he didn't realize that he had been throwing with a broken wrist for two years. Oh my and, god! And he he's like, yeah, I did. I I hurt myself weightlifting, but I never got a scan or anything. And then it didn't feel right. And then I went and got scanned. They're like, how have you been throwing? <laughs> like throwing at all? They had to do like bone grafts and all. It, it, it was a mess. I, and I'm like, so you wonder what? How hard? How hard is this guy going to be throwing when he's actually you know fully put back together? Uh, yeah. So you talk. So you talked to me a little bit about this slider and this changeup that you were throwing. And the changeup for for me anyway is for a starter, especially with a, a fastball that can be as quality as yours. Being able to be able to pitch off that fastball with a changeup, keeping those opposite-handed hitters honest. How would you grade your changeup? Again, let's assume that everything's back right to where we were. Where if I, if, I, if you're putting a grade on it, where are you putting on it? You know, I I saw a lot of stuff pre-draft, and I'll see stuff post-draft. I, I think my changeup's my best pitch really see i like to hear that that's what i threw my entire life my my dad didn't let me throw a breaking ball until probably sophomore junior year high school so my changeup had to be pretty good and my oldest brother who is a pitching coach for uh, naia school in missouri um he taught me my changeup and i've thrown it the exact same way like with pronation and maybe switched up a grip just a tad here and there as I got older, but that was always my pitch that, that I, that I thought was my best pitch. Um, 
didn't throw it too much because I, you know, was more of a one to two inning guy. And right. If I throw my slider to a guy and he's nowhere near it, I'm not going to go away from that pitch. So that's, I mean, and I, when I faced lefties, that was, that was my go-to pitch. That was my strikeout pitch, like to a lefty. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 that, that's one of the things I'm really excited to see is kind of see what the repertoire, because again, the repertoire is just when you're a bullpen guy in college, I mean, if you're throwing mid to upper nineties, I mean, most guys don't even know what they're, what's going to happening, happening to them in those situations a lot of times anyway, but you know, good hitters are still good hitters, you know, whatever conference you're in, but you know, you don't have to be super fancy, but once you have a changeup that can, you know, get some really ugly swings and lets you play off that. It's exciting stuff. What, what else? Are we, what, what are some thoughts? And like, again, we're just, spitballing I'm not, I'm not going to pin you down I'm not going to be calling you in six months saying you know where is this pitch but what are some mm-hmm. other things you're thinking about trying to put you put in the arsenal um I threw a cutter at the combine and it was like 90 91 and it was okay okay I thought it was pretty good um but I started throwing that like two weeks before that so that I'm trying to bring that back but I don't know how the, you know, the pitching coordinators and how they, how would, how they would feel about that. So kind of just have to go through some communications with that. But I also, my current slider is got a lot of depth to it. So I'm almost thinking I want to use that as a curveball and then a harder slider. Yeah. Like a, like a power, like a power breaking ball. Yeah. So and I guess that would kind of mix with the cutter too. So maybe one of those pitches I would okay. add. Okay. You don't know understand like a, Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, like Corbin Burns was a 96 mile an hour cutter. Like that's just natural stuff for him. Like I think a slider with, with some good speed would kind of imitate that, that sure. cutter that, a little bit. And so. Yeah. I mean, Corbin's kind of a Corbin's a bit of a mutant, but you know, if you're, if you're, if you're heading in that direction, you're probably in a good, you're probably in a good spot. Uh, and I, and I like that diplomatic answer. Like, Oh, well, we'll talk to the pitching coordinators before I start doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't want to get you in trouble. Don't worry. Braves officials. <laughs> I'm not, we're, we're, we're just talking baseball. Spencer will do as he's told. I promise he will. Uh, one last thing, uh, Spencer, before we let everyone go. Uh, and, uh, I, I have a feeling I already know the answer to this question. Uh, but you're pitching in college. Who's the most difficult hitter you had to face uh, when you're at Nebraska and what would made him so hard to pitch against? Um, probably the last time I pitched, uh, I pitched against Robert Moore at Arkansas. He was, he is a really good hitter. Um, not trying to do too much was, it was hard to get him off balance. Um, I remember he followed my fastball pull side and I'm like, Oh, I got him on the changeup. And then he was on time with the changeup. And then the next at bat, I was like, all right, let's try something different. Threw him a slider, didn't swing and then threw him another slider. And I, I got him on that. Just hit a weak ground ball back to me. But it was like, I'm, I'm up there on the mound. Like, what can I throw to this guy? Because he's on time with everything. And when you have a hitter like that, who 
you know, doesn't get off balance and doesn't make mistakes in the box. He's hard to, hard to throw to. Yeah. That's going to be, a, that's going to be a first round pick in this coming draft too. Who, yep. You know, maybe who knows, maybe he can float down to the Braves and, and <laughs> you, you guys can start hashing things out some, some scrimmages. That'd be, that'd be, fu- that'd be some fun baseball to be sure. That'd be a funny yeah. story. Uh, like, Hey, you know, <laughs> Spencer and I talked about who was the guy that he didn't want, they didn't want to face. <laughs> At least he doesn't have to anymore. Uh, I don't know the way that the way that guy's playing though. My hunch is that he might not be there when the Braves are picking. Well, thank you, thank you, Spencer. Again, I'm really thrilled to get to talk to you again. Uh, thanks again to all of our listeners out there. We appreciate all the patience during this what has been a very painful MLB lockout experience. However, the minors still still play on even without the, the major league. So this will be plenty of minor league stories to talk about. I'm sure down the line, once uh, Spencer's a little further along his recovery, I'm hopeful that we can get to talk to him again. We're going to talk to other minor leaguers. We're going to be covering the minor league games, just like we always do every single year. Thank you all so much to all of our listeners. Again, if you don't want to miss a single episode, just search battery power on whatever podcast purveyor you prefer. Google play iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, if you search that, uh, the changeover on the time, you might have to search Talking Chop for a little while while the, the names change over to actually be able to find the feeds, but you'll get this podcast. You'll also get the other two shows, all the baseball content you could ever want. Thank you again so much for all the support for everyone. Thanks again to Spencer for talking to me again in some baseball, and we'll see you on the road. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.